What is going on, Cultivate family? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I hope you've all been having a good week so far. I am recording this on Tuesday, so that means I had a big weekend of Pride this weekend. The first ever time I went to Pride was actually in Brighton, and I definitely never really felt quite right there. I never really felt like I fit in. My friend Alex, who goes under the name Sweet Cowboy Blues, actually made a shirt once that says, I don't even fit in at Pride, and I would absolutely say that summed me up. But over the years, I discovered Trans Pride, and that definitely felt a lot more me. And ever since I started going, I have been to some sort of Pride event every year, and it's never always really been the main corporate one, because again, it just doesn't feel like me. But I have definitely found different pockets of Pride where it feels more like my people and my community. So I went to my first one in Leeds this weekend. I kicked the weekend off by going to this underground drag show that was by an organization called Age Of, and it was awesome. I spent all night in a room full of queer and trans folk watching some really cool local drag. The next day I did actually go to the main Pride and it was cool, I didn't really watch the parade, I just kind of hung around, I saw lots of friends and I ended up at the local cooperative space that we have in Leeds, it's called Warp Chambers and that was just one big massive party and that felt like my people, that felt like the Pride that I wanted to be at for sure. And I definitely feel like I've missed out on so many years of Pride, like I never got to be a queer kid that got taken to Pride. I never got to be a trans kid that wore a trans flag like a cape and a part of that makes me really sad. But then seeing all the younger people living authentically at Pride really, really did make me happy. So it's always a bit of a strange one and sometimes I get a bit sad and a bit resentful, but then I remember that I'm making up for all that now and I know there's going to be loads of you out there that actually feel in exactly the same boat as me when it comes to this stuff. So I was just soaking it up and being grateful for having these experiences now and having tools and the resources to live a lot more authentically so hell yeah for that if you've already had your pride or you've got one coming up this weekend i hope you have an amazing time today i want to talk about stress and the reason for that is actually that i am just really really stressed this week and i thought it would be cool to explore that because it's actually something that we don't talk about a lot we always talk about what's stressing us out but we don't often talk about what we do to make ourselves feel better in that moment. Now, the reason I'm stressed is because it is a week before my band's tour. I mean, it's not even a week anymore. I go in like three, four days. And there is a lot of logistical stuff that I have to sort out for my band. Every time we go on tour, van rental, advancing shows, like tech specs, riders, transport, rehearsals, all that. And I'm the only one that does it. So this week before every tour, I feel very, very on edge. My body is super, super tense. I often get muscle soreness, stress headaches. And all the while, the week up to a tour, I'll be doing what I can to get ready for it. But I'll also be making sure that all of my people in First Culture Club and Cultivate are well taken care of and have programming and 
just making sure that I have content to post as a content creator. So as a self-employed person, being a touring musician sometimes really fucking sucks when it gets to the week before tour. And I've noticed since the pandemic, I kind of have this dread that looms and I guess that's a form of my stress for sure. So today we're going to talk about stress together and we're going to talk about coping mechanisms and how we can work through it and identify the things that make us feel stressed when we know exactly what they are. So without getting into loads of science talk, because we all know what stress is, but when we narrow it down, stress is our reaction to a situation that might be dangerous or unsafe. And when we're in that situation, when it happens, our brain floods our body with stress hormones, that's cortisol and adrenaline, and that's why we feel it so hard and so deep. There's quite a few different types of stress, but the main two are going to be chronic and acute. So acute stress is the stress that happens in the moment. So it can come on over a period of like a few minutes or a few hours. So if something happens in that moment, that is your acute stress. But when we think about chronic stress, this is happening over a much longer period of time. And this is going to be a much bigger buildup of things all bubbling away that might be completely out of our control. And that causes to feel that chronic stress day in, day out. That is part of a stressful lifestyle. Now, as we know, there are so many things that cause us stress. It would be hard for me to list them all. But off the top of my head, trauma, chronic illness, relationships, be that platonic, romantic, familiar, grief or caring for someone. I'm thinking about financial stress. The stress of not having stable housing or healthcare. Maybe specifically for a lot of us, that's going to be gender affirming healthcare because it's a huge source of stress not being able to have access to that. We could have work stress. We could have stress due to our gender dysphoria or our body image. And one that will be relevant to most people that listen to this podcast as queer people would be minority stress or discrimination. So that could be transphobia, homophobia, racism any sort of discrimination out there that causes people to hate on us. That is a very valid form of stress. And that's one that can be brought on by things that we witness in the real world that we live in or things that we're seeing online, trolls, media, mainstream media, TikTok, everything. When I think about what the biggest stresses are for me, I definitely think it's working as a self-employed person I run a business, I run First Culture Club, I want it to do well, but I need to be able to pay my rent and bills, but I also want to be an accessible business to the people that need it most. So another big source of that stress on the back of work is often money, being able to pay my bills on time and not knowing whether 10 clients could leave tomorrow and no more could sign up, and then what will I do? The last couple of big stresses for me are going to be transphobia, and the emotional labor that often comes with being a content creator. The transphobia that I receive online day to day, the hate I get from trolls on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, because of the type of content I put out in favor of helping the LGBT and trans community can hit me really hard as a form of stress. And then often the emotional labor that's involved in having to explain myself over and over and over, which sometimes now I am choosing not to do, because the emotional labor isn't always worth it. And that is a question I have to wake up and ask myself every day and make the decision of, am I okay enough to deal with this today? And as a person that 
works completely online and creates content for a living that helps people. Some days I do have to choose that emotional labor battle, but a lot of days I am deciding now not to for my own well-being. And I know it's definitely the same for a lot of other content creators out there at the moment. And I know a lot of you also listen to this podcast. The actual sources of stress for everyone can be completely different. Things like insomnia, fatigue, brain fog, having lack of focus or not being able to concentrate. It can affect your whole digestive system. So you can have digestive issues and upset stomach. You can feel nauseous. You might not feel hungry or have any appetite, but you also might end up overeating. Your immune system can actually weaken because the stress hormones zooming around your body, ascending blood to all the important parts that need to protect you from whatever the stressor is. It can turn into long-term depression and anxiety. We can have super low sex drive. We can be overwhelmed. Then more physically, we can have headaches stress ulcers, muscle soreness, and panic attacks. So although stress is very much seen as a mental thing that we have to deal with, it's also very, very physical and affects our whole body, not just our mind. When I was trying to think of the symptoms that I get the most in relation to stress, the two opposites are definitely insomnia and fatigue, feeling absolutely exhausted but not being able to sleep. That definitely happened a lot. A few of you may know this, but when I was 23, I was attacked and robbed and held at gunpoint. And that was a long term of stress and anxiety for me for years to come. Still is a little bit now from a PTSD point of view. But I was so incredibly stressed from the trauma that my hair started to fall out. I lost a really big amount of weight. I was very, very depressed and anxious and it was often very, very hard to leave the house. But it was also very, very hard for me to sleep. And I did have hallucinations quite often during the night. So that's obviously very different to a lot of the stresses I have now. And I think the difference between dealing with my stress 10 years ago when that happened and dealing with it now is that I know what all the triggers are. And I think it's really important that everybody knows what those triggers are that are going to help them preempt and work through their stress and ride it out a little bit more. And this is something that I've been talking about with a lot of my clients recently as well. Yes, there's loads of stuff that's stressing you out right now, but what are you going to do to look after yourself in this moment? This is the important bit, and this is what I want to talk about in this podcast. Now, often we're going to see people talk about stress, and they're just going to recommend that we all be a little bit more resilient. But obviously, there are so many barriers to that. It is harder for some of us to be resilient to stress than others, because a lot of the time, When we don't have a lot of privilege, we can't control or move those barriers or stressful triggers in our lives. When you're super stressed out because you're caring for someone and have financial worries or maybe don't have completely stable housing, being more resilient isn't going to help with that stress. It's not going to change the outcome. Living day in, day out with a chronic illness that really causes you stress, that's not going to be helped by you being more resilient because that's there regardless. Being on a waiting list for gender-affirming care for years and being distressed and stressed in your own body, you're not going to get through that by being more resilient. Being more resilient is not the solution to dealing with your stress, especially when we can't control those barriers. So I listed a few sources of my main stress a couple of moments ago. And what we might find when you're thinking about your own stresses is that often the thing that is stressing you out is so far out of your control. 
So it's important to know what makes us de-stress. So amongst all these different stressful situations that we find ourselves in, either that long-term stress or those smaller stressful moments that come up at different times of our life, what we want to realize about all of these is that sometimes the thing that's stressing us out, what we'll call the stressor, is often so, so far out of our control that we can't deal with that immediately. So it's really important to know what makes us feel calm, what makes us feel collected, what makes us feel safe. We don't want to ignore those signs of stress that we're going through and that we're feeling in our body. It is far more important for us to address that first than it is to dive headfirst into a situation that we can't actually control fully. A lot of the time, if we have an external thing that is stressing us out, whether that's work, healthcare, finances, abuse, discrimination, family, grief, trauma, anything. A lot of the time, our first port of call is to try and sort the stressful thing out, but we don't actually look after ourselves in that moment. But if we identify our stress triggers, although it doesn't solve the problem, it does mean that we can be a bit more prepared. So if you're dealing with a lot of stress at the moment, whether that's acute stress or chronic stress, what can be helpful is actually just making a list of what all the stress triggers are. So these can be things that happen repeatedly, like there could be something that happens repeatedly at work, like your boss gives you too much to do or asks too much of you or there's someone at your work that misgenders you every day. So these are the things that happen daily in our lives that we recognize as a key form of stress for us. We know that they're going to happen repeatedly, so we know that they're a trigger. Other triggers can be one-off events that just play on our mind a lot, like things that are looming. So this tour for me is a really big one-off source of stress, and maybe the next tour will be as well. But I know that that's how I'm going to feel, so it means I can be mentally prepared for it. Then we've got our ongoing stress. So things that we can't really control directly in our lives, like that minority stress I mentioned. Transphobia, racism, homophobia, ableism. All these ongoing forms that we can't predict when they're going to appear or we're going to see one of those triggers. But if we know they're there and we know how we react to them, then we're going to know what we can do about it as a coping mechanism. And the last trigger could be something that we're worried will happen again. So for me, a big stressor is that one day I will get robbed at gunpoint again and have to go through PTSD therapy again. That's a huge source of underlying stress, and I think about that a lot. That, when that pops up in my head, is not pleasant and it's a trigger, but I can't control it, but I can deal with how I feel about it. Now, the things that help us feel calm, collective, safe, the things that help us de-stress are never, ever going to be the things that ever solve our root of stress, if that makes sense. So if we're having a stressful problem at work or at home or with money, there's often very little that is going to help us feel better about it if the problem isn't going to be resolved instantly. So this is when we've got to build a little bit of a toolkit up to help manage all of those stresses and our feelings around. Because these are the things that are directly in our control and these are the things that we can do to help ourselves feel better. So let's start off with those general self-care bits that can be non-negotiable for us that will contribute to keeping our stress down a little bit. So things like basic nutrition, 
plenty of protein, whole foods, carbs, fun foods, lots of variety, plenty of water and staying hydrated. Little things like showering and brushing your teeth and doing skincare. All of these things can completely fall off when you feel stressed and you're in that fight or flight mode. So making them non-negotiable and making them intentional can be really handy. Things like having a solid routine, limiting your screen time, having set wind down times in the evening, especially if your job is particularly stressful, that wind down is going to be so important. So these are all the general self-care bits that we can all do that are directly in our control. But let's go into it a bit further and let's look at movement and let's look at breathing. So the reason exercise is such a good way to de-stress is because the movement forces you to breathe deeply and that's going to calm our central nervous system. So if you're at the gym and you're doing cardio or you're lifting heavy weights or you're taking a class, you're going to be breathing so much deeper and that's going to cause your stress levels to go down. What it's also going to do is shift the focus from the thing that's stressing you out to your breath and to your performance of that movement. And lastly, movement is within your control. So you having some sort of control around moving your body when your stress hormones are high is going to be really handy for you feeling like you're regaining control. Now, breath work is obviously talked about a lot as something that can de-stress you to the point where I think a lot of us almost doubt whether it actually even works. And all the evidence shows that it does work, but it's just not that easy for all of us. So your different types of breath work are going to be like guided and unguided meditation, but then it can also literally just be breathing. It can just be taking some deep breaths. We don't have to make it fancy. So one of the ones I like quite a lot for that is box breathing, where we breathe in for a count of like three or four seconds, hold that breath for three or four seconds, let it go for three or four seconds and start the whole thing again. So we're essentially taking lots of little pauses when we breathe in, hold, breathe out and hold. But other forms of breath work could be yoga, Pilates or mobility or stretching. All of these activities focus your mind on controlling your breathing. And once again, that control is going to be super important for us managing our stress. So if meditation isn't for you, there's definitely lots of other ways to do it. I've really been enjoying the pliability app recently for mobility because it's a very chill app and it really encourages deep breathing. The music is super, super chill. I'm not like affiliated with them in any way. I've realized that I am not a person that can sit and meditate. My brain is mental. And although I take medication to calm it, I cannot sit still very often. So if I'm doing mobility or flexibility work, combining that with some chill music and some breath work, that's actually a really good de-stressor for me that I'd never realized before. So it's definitely worth exploring all of these things and just finding out what works best for you. I think one of the most underrated forms of things that can de-stress you is dancing. And this sounds really, really silly, but I don't know if there's many Grey's Anatomy fans on here. But if there is, you'll remember that in quite a few of the episodes, Meredith and Christina basically do something where they put music on and they dance it out when they're in a bit of a bind, a tough situation, a stressful situation. And I have done that in my kitchen countless times, sometimes with my partner, sometimes by myself. And again, it forces you to breathe deeply. You're doing something that's within your control 
and you're shifting the focus to something else. And that's going to give you endorphins and it's going to turn that adrenaline into something else. Now, this isn't me telling you all to start dancing around your kitchen, but just Google dance it out Grey's Anatomy and they put a Tegan and Sarah song on and they dance it out in an encore room and everything seems slightly less stressful afterwards. And I never thought that would have been a thing, but it is very valid. So although we don't want to run from our stress, one thing that is going to be really helpful in keeping yourself feeling grounded and feeling calm is going to be doing something that makes you feel good. So I'm talking about hobbies here that aren't work-related and that aren't movement-related because we can't be moving 24-7 as much as a lot of us would probably want to because we're going to be exhausted. So when we think of hobbies and stuff that can make us feel chill and de-stress us, a lot of my clients like to do things like drawing or reading or crafting. And there's a lot to be said for doing something with your hands. I'm definitely not going to be someone that could sit down and draw myself because I used to do that as a job as an illustrator. But playing music or recording music or writing songs is definitely a huge one for me, even if they don't go anywhere, even if they don't make it onto a Cult Dreams record or a Louis record. The act of doing it grounds me and makes me feel calm. And I know people have exactly the same feeling when they're drawing or coloring or crafting or making something. Because again, we're shifting the focus and just doing something within our control. Time outside can also be a great one if you have access to that. So things like gardening or if you don't have a garden, taking care of plants. That is a form of self-care. And again, it's a very nice and calming one, looking after something, watching it grow, watching it thrive. And then the last one is going to be things like gaming, whether that's actual board games or puzzles or actually getting a console and smashing out an hour on Animal Crossing or Call of Duty. I mean, those, those are quite the contrast, but whatever works for you, these are all valid forms of helping you de-stress. And that isn't you running from the problem. That's you taking care of your feelings and doing something that makes you feel good and safe. And let me come back to Grey's Anatomy for a second. I haven't talked about it on a podcast yet, and now I've done it twice. I'm going to have to do a full episode related to Grey's Anatomy, really, aren't I? But a lot of us have comfort TV shows or comfort albums or music that makes us feel good. And I was once told by my therapist that the repetition of me watching the same show over and over again. It was security. And because our stress makes us feel unsafe a lot of the time, whether we recognize that or not, that flight or fight response, watching that comfort TV show or comfort movie, and you know the bit that makes you want to cry or laugh or well up, that is comforting. And that in itself is a really, really valid de-stressor. All right, that is the last time I talk about Grey's Anatomy now for this episode, I promise. So the last couple of bits I want to touch upon, the first one is going to be socializing. Now, when we're really stressed, the last thing we might want to do is leave the house and see other people or do anything with anyone because we feel so in our head and so het up and so, so stressed and anxious. But connecting with other people, whether it's for a class or a support group or going for a coffee or going to see a movie, Anything like that when you are stressed can be really, really helpful. 
and it might be that you go out to socialize and connect with other people, or it might be that you just take yourself out and it might be a little bit of both. Different things are going to work for different people. And the last coping mechanism I want to talk about is affection. So the evidence shows that kissing someone for a full six seconds can be enough to lower your stress levels or being hugged and hugging someone back for 20 seconds can be enough to lower your stress levels. And the reasoning with the research behind that is that you're not going to kiss someone that you really hate for six seconds, because why would you do that? So if you're kissing someone that you like for a solid six seconds, that is going to make you feel safe and calm. And it's the same with hugging someone. When you meet a mate, you might just give them a quick hug. But if you very intentionally hug someone and hold them, sounds kind of daft, but for 20 seconds or more, that is enough to lower those stress responses. So if you are feeling stressed right now and you're like on the way to work or you're on the way home from work or on the way to somewhere on transport and you're feeling stressed, whoever is waiting for you at the other end, hug them for 20 seconds, consensually, of course, or kiss them for six seconds and pay attention to how it makes you feel. Because after I heard this, I tried it and it 100% is a valid thing. Because when you make that amount of time intentional, you realize how little time you actually spend hugging someone or kissing someone in the first place. Now, obviously, we can't go around kissing everybody for six seconds to feel de-stressed. But if that's an option for you and it's a consensual one, then try it. There's also a huge amount of evidence to show that sex and orgasms are a really, really good way to de-stress as well. So affection in general can be really, really handy in terms of making you de-stress. So that's a solid list of options for you there. And not all of them are going to work for everyone, but it is really important that you know what works for you. When I'm thinking about the things that work for me that I definitely need to do this week, one of them is going to be watching that comfort TV show. I won't say which one because I've already told you that I wouldn't mention it again. The other one is going to be getting outside with the dog. Again, mentioning pets in relation to stress. Loads of evidence showing that having a pet and caring for a pet and being able to strike a dog or cuddle your cat is a very, very valid form of stress release. Not saying to go out and buy a pet, but these things can all help and spending time with them can help. So before I leave you today, my last few tips for you in terms of managing your stress once you've dealt with your feelings and you've got your toolkit of coping mechanisms and stuff that makes you feel calm and safe and grounded, just make sure that you're organizing your time. You're setting boundaries and you're not trying to take way too much on. Remember the episode I did about overcommitting? Take as many breaks as you need to, ask for help if you need it, and compartmentalize things if that's helpful. Make lots of lists. Take everything in your stride. And if there's stuff that you can't get done today because it's going to send you to your stress breaking point, then that's a sign that you may need to take a step back, look after you first, then approach that stressor again tomorrow. We as humans and especially as queer people can be very, very resilient at the best of times, but we aren't superhuman and we can't be resilient to every little stressor in our lives. So it's really important that we all know how to look after ourselves and manage our stress day to day. 
So if you take anything from this today, please let it be that you know what your stress triggers are and that you know what helps you feel good, de-stress and feel calm. I've got a couple more guests for you in the coming weeks that I'm super, super excited about. As I keep saying every episode, but I promise it is true. If you are working through a lot of stress at the moment, I really hope this has been helpful. As always, my DMs are open and I hope you have an awesome rest of your week. Cultivate Family, signing out. I'll see you in the next one.